You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Bet you've never seen one of these. Plumb line. Be careful to show yourself the proved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts 17, 11, the Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they listened intently to what Paul had to say, and then they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul had to say was true. The words I've been saying to you, I, th- I, think I'm, I think I'm right. I think I'm cutting it straight, but, you know, I'm certainly... Uh, very fallible so you take what I've said if you want to and just compare it to the Word of God always take it to the Word of God always take it to the Word of God I got an email this morning from uh, our OM office from our OMUSA president Andrew Scott who is uh, Sam's brother and uh, I got some really really tragic startling news uh, some fellow OMers and friends of mine, Americans who now live in South Africa, their daughter, Elise, uh, was married in September. And uh, she lived in Atlanta. She married, I think, a guy from the little community where our office is. But she lived in Atlanta. And Saturday afternoon, she was with her mother-in-law and her sister-in-law and uh, Elise and her mother-in-law were killed by a drunk driver. Drunk driver. The sister-in-law is in critical condition. So Todd and Heather and her mother and dad, Todd and Heather, and the grandparents, Todd and uh, the grandparents are in Atlanta where they're on their way up there, but Todd and Heather are trying to get a, a flight from South Africa. What do you do when your whole life goes sideways? What do you do when all hell breaks loose? Smacking you in the head. You pray. You know, I was, I may have already said this, but I, I was flying from Russia into Finland one time, and I think I told this, but we were in the total fog, absolute fog, and I, keep, I was sitting by the window and looking out, knowing that the ground was coming up because we were descending, and I heard the, the gear go down, and I couldn't see the ground. Couldn't see the ground at all, and I knew the pilot was flying as blind as I was. And the second before we hit the ground, I saw the ground, and I realized he landed that plane absolutely blind. He was flying totally by his instruments. And sometimes we have to fly totally by our instruments, I think. I do. When life goes sideways and that looks straight or that looks straight or nothing looks straight or I'm in the fog and I can't make sense of it all. You know, if we go by our feelings, which we will, we have feelings. Until we die, we're going to have feelings. But this is what keeps us straight. When we're screaming out and the devil's, when the devil's screaming in our faces and tell us that God doesn't love you, God isn't good we go to the plumb line. 
plus the Holy Spirit within us. But we have to know our Bibles. We have to know our Bibles. And as we look at the kingdom of God, we can only know the kingdom of God as the Holy Spirit within us enables us and enlightens us, but we know what the scriptures say. So we must know our Bibles. So many of you, have, I know you study your Bibles, and I'm just so grateful. And, but the plumb line, how do we know about the kingdom of God? The plumb line. Our first night together, we talked about the importance of the kingdom of God. It's the first thing John the Baptist preached, first thing Jesus preached. Jesus said he was sent to preach the gospel. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. And we asked, what does that mean? Your kingdom come. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Jesus sent his 12 disciples out to demonstrate, declare and demonstrate the kingdom. He sent his 70 to do it. His 40 days after the resurrection, he came back, talked about the kingdom. Book of Acts ends with the kingdom, starts with the kingdom. The kingdom is all important. And as Gordon Fee, a professor at my old seminary, said, if you miss the kingdom of God and what that means, you'll absolutely miss Jesus of Nazareth. It's absolutely important. The kingdom. So what is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? When is the kingdom of God? Well, just as a review, what is the kingdom of God? Kingdom means rap. The rap. The rule, the authority, and the power of God. You know, again, in the Bible, sometimes we read the kingdom as that future coming kingdom, and sometimes it's the not yet kingdom. But the part that is that has already come, the already and the, the not yet. But many times, if you just substitute the word kingdom with rule, authority, and power, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the rule, the authority, the power of God and his righteousness. You know, if if we can sometimes I wish I had kingdom glasses that I could put on. You know, I, I, I was hoping I could find some of these big, huge sunglasses. You ever seen those? And, and put them on junior. I just didn't get them. With, and these are our kingdom of God glasses. We begin to, you know, see life through the kingdom of God, through the rule, the authority, and the power of God. So, so what is it? It's the rule, the authority, and the power of God. Where is the kingdom of God? Again, we could get theological and nothing wrong with theological, but the real simple answer, very Simple answer, where's the kingdom of God? Wherever Christ is. Christ is in me. The kingdom of God is in me. When I walk into the grocery store, the kingdom of God goes into the grocery store. When I come into this building, the kingdom of God enters. The kingdom of God. Wherever Christ is, there's his kingdom. And when is the kingdom of God? Is he already? So not yet. It's a present reality. Matthew 12, 28 says, Jesus says, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And by the way, again, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, they're synonymous. Okay? So the present reality. Jesus said, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And we see that the, the, the disciples did that. He sent out his 12 to drive out demons. He sent out the 70. He sent out the you and me. You've driven out demons. Some of you, I've driven out demons. It's a partial reality. It's already here. But the future, too, it's already 
but not yet. Matthew 8, 11, Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That has not happened yet. It will happen, but that has not happened yet. So we know there's the already, and then there's the not yet. When Jesus celebrated his last Passover with his disciples and instituted what we call the Last Supper, he told them in Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's to come. You know, here's something really sweet. I'm so glad I got to celebrate communion, the Last Supper with you last Sunday. When we take these communion, the bread and the the cup, Paul said, we take it and we do this in remembrance until he comes. We do it in remembrance of what has happened. And we do it in expectation of what is to come. And you know, one day it hit me as I was eating the bread and drinking the cup. If I'd ask you an hour later, would you give that back to me, please? I'd like to have that juice and that bread back. Just, just give it back. We couldn't do it. You know why? Because it's become one with us. And Jesus is one with us. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, his spirit is joined to our spirit. So when we celebrate the communion, when we, when we take the cup and we take the bread, we remember, and, and, and if maybe, maybe, maybe I can remember the next time I do it, I'll just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the already. Lord, I'm celebrating what has happened. I'm celebrating the, the already coming of your kingdom. But, Lord, as I take this, I'm also anticipating the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm anticipating that day when I will be with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will drink this again with you, Jesus, and we'll celebrate it in the perfect fullness of the kingdom. Be all ready. And the not yet. So we see the importance of the kingdom of God. What, where, and when is the kingdom of God? And tonight, I just want to spend a few minutes on how do I, D&D, the K-O-G. Remember Junior's little rap? By the way, the the rap was on purpose, R-A-P. That was Junior's rap. His rule, it is authority, and his power. So, so, okay. So, now, what does this mean for me? How do I do this? What do I do? How do I do this? D&D, the K-O-G, declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did. When, when I was a little boy and I was in, in grade school, we had show and tell. Did, do you do show and tell here? We had show and tell. You know, we'd stand up and said, this is my stick I found in the woods and it's a pretty stick and I hope you like it bye and you know, <laughs> but you know we show and tell and that's what Jesus did in his ministry he would show and tell he would tell and show he would 
D&D, the KOG. He would declare and he would demonstrate the kingdom of God. And then when he sent you and me out in the Great Commission, he said, Go ye therefore into all the world, preach this gospel, this good news, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And, and this is cool. This, this is absolute essential. And what did he say? Did he stop there? Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Adios. Before he ascended. What is the last part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28? What did he say? And he said, and lo, I am with you always. I mean, and, and in the Greek, that little word is idu. And it's an imperative. It's a command. What that is, is Jesus, before he left, this little word, and lo, or behold, or adieu, what this was, was flashing lights. This had arrows pointing to it. He said, don't miss this. Remember, don't forget. For the fast past 40 days, it's been, now you see me, now you don't. I'm here I'm still here. You just don't see me. Now I'm behind the door. You're coming through the door. Now you see me. Now you don't. And he gets ready to leave. And he says, listen, don't miss this. Abide. Don't miss this. Walk in the spirit. Boing, boing, boing. Pay attention. I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. Hebrews 13, 5, when he says, keep your lives free from the love of money, he says, never will I leave you. Paul said this. Jesus said, never will I leave you, for God will never leave you. Christ will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And those nevers there, it's a, it's a double negative. It, it, it's what he's saying is, no, not ever will I leave you. No, not ever will I forsake you. Again, it's, it's a double negative, making it even stronger. And that's where the power is. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go out, but wait. There's going to be power from on high. I'm going to send you power from on high. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better for you when I go because I'm going to be in you. Never, ever will I leave you. Remember, when I was here two years ago, Junior and I did this little thing where I talked and took him off my arm and put him down and picked him up and uh, set apart from me. You can do nothing. And then I did a little... Uh, a, a little uh, illustration about Peter Pan. Anybody remember that? Can you remember that? Surely you don't remember that from two years ago. You know, I did this little picture. I said, picture Peter Pan holding cotton candy, double dip into M&M's. Peter Pan, cotton candy, double dip, M&M's. And what that was was practice his presence. Anybody remember what was next? Peter Pan, cotton candy, Constantly connected, double dip, des desperately dependent. Well, I'm just going to quit right now. I feel so good. 
The word for abide is meno. Remember? Meno? Me? No. M-E-N-O, transliterated. That's what abide. Meno. Me? No. Jesus, yes. Peter Pan, cotton candy, double dip, M&Ms. Practice his presence, constantly connected, desperately dependent, moment by moment. And that's what abiding is. That's what walking in the Spirit is. And as we do that, you know, we don't go through some legalism, but we abide in Christ. We listen to the Spirit. We do what he tells us to do. Again, plumb line, his word. We read the word. We know the word. And then we listen to his Holy Spirit. Speak to us. As we moment by moment listen and do what he tells us to do. So, how do you D&D the KOG? You know how you D&D the KOG? Through Christ in me. D&D the KOG through Christ in me. It's Christ in me living his life in and through me. Well, in this world there are two kingdoms, right? There's the kingdom of this world and there's the kingdom of God. Now... You may disagree with me on this, and it may not hold together. But when I think about the kingdom of God, it is a kingdom of a paradox. You know what a paradox is? Two doctors. No, I'm kidding you. Okay. Wake up. (laughs) Okay. The kingdom of God. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. What's up is down. What's... Over is under. If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to give, you got to get. If you, it's a, it's, a, it's a, Gordon Fee calls it the great reversal. It's the upside down kingdom. It's the Isaiah fifty five eight and nine kingdom where it says, "My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts, and my ways than your ways." It's the upside down kingdom, and for me. Oh, well. Okay. Oh, I've just lost the use of my hands. There goes half my preaching. <laughs> uh, you can walk around with me. Yeah, I could probably go mute and preach with my hands just all over the place. Anyway, this, this kingdom of God, this, this uh, I look at it, and, and I wonder, can we think about this? When we look at things in the kingdom sometimes, it looks just not logical right? To me, it doesn't. That doesn't look logical. Uh, if, if you want to give, if you want to get, you have to give. That's not logical. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to keep, you stick it in the bank, you hang on to it. Nothing wrong with sticking it in the bank. Nothing wrong with hanging in onto it. Nothing wrong with having retirement. That, there's scriptures about all that kind of stuff. But again, we do what God tells us to do. But I remember... When I was getting ready to go to seminary, my wife and I, we'd just gotten out of college, and we worked so hard for about six months, maybe seven months, to save as much as we could. I mean, we squirreled everything away. We went to get a hamburger. We'd split one. Well, we didn't even go out and buy hamburgers. We did go out and buy an ice cream one time, but we split the ice cream. And then we pushed the car off to get the thing to work. But we put all of our money in the bank saving up. And just a couple of weeks before we left for seminary, the Lord spoke to me and my wife and said, okay, now I want you to take a big chunk of that and give it away. 
Well, we had saved so we wouldn't have to work our heads off so I could go to school full time and we were squirreling it all away. And the Lord says, I want you to take a chunk of it and give it, give it away. You know what? That wasn't logical. But you know what? It was theological. And the theological does not always seem logical because <laughs> the, the world doesn't hold the plumb line. Lord said, give it away. What do you do? Well, you give it away. How, how can we call him Lord? He said to me, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't know what I say. Kurios, Lord, it means absolute sovereign ruler. Uh, Watchman Nee, Chinese guy, he said Jesus is resident boss. So when the Lord tells you to do something, you do it. You know what? All the money that you do or do not have is not yours. And if you don't have it, it's not a big problem that it's not yours. If you do have it, that might cause a little bit more problem, but it's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. If he is Lord, he is Lord. And if he says do it, we do it. Now, how do we know that he's saying do it? How do I know it's not last night's pizza? Well, the plumb line, for one, what does the Bible say? God will never tell us to do anything other than it aligns with the plumb line. Never. But also accountability, husband and wife, man, I made some bad decisions. Oh, not many, uh, not many big ones, but boy, I have blown it with my wife before when I just thought we ought to do something. She says, I don't think that's right. I remember one time, I'm so sensitive to my wife. I thought God wanted us to move into a ministry, and I had left one, and it just looked so good to go into this next one. And and my wife was saying, honey, I don't believe this is right. I don't believe this is right. And being the gentle husband that I am, I looked at her and I said, you know what? You're like a weight around my neck holding me back. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> you know what? I only said that one time. <laughs> I was born at night, but not last night. <laughs> I never did that again. And it was the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. You know, my wife and I will be together on it. God, if you want us to do something major big, you will change her heart as well as mine. So, but anyway, we, we obey what God tells us to do. So the scripture we've been looking at is Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The already but the not yet is coming. Repent. Change the way you think. Romans 12.2. Uh, it says be, be renewed in your mind. Uh, be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're renewed in our minds by the Word of God. 
and we're renewed in our minds by spending time with the Lord. So he says, repent, change the way we think. If we are going to live, and we will, in the kingdom of God, not everything God tells us going to do is illogical. God doesn't just tell us to go out, well, I want you to do this. This is kind of dumb, so go do it. No, but sometimes he'll tell us to do things that look logical, but sometimes they're going to be theological. Not, you know what I mean, worldly logical or God logical but we need to change our minds and when when jesus came he said repent and believe the gospel change your mind believe the good news what is the good news very simple what is the good news the good news is is the rule the authority and the power of god has come now what does that mean to our lives how do we demonstrate that daily in our lives we got the kingdom of God, and we got the kingdom of this world. There's a king in this world. There's a king in the kingdom of God. And we quit looking and listening to the king of this world, and we start listening. And you're already doing that, but we continue to listen to the God of heaven, Jehovah God. The currency in the kingdom of this world is money. I use a U.S. dollar. You use an Australian dollar. In Europe, they use the euro. But if you want to get stuff in this world, the currency is money. But in the kingdom of God, the currency is faith. That's what we use in the kingdom of God as the currency. It is faith. And the Bible says... And he, uh, Habakkuk 2.4 and Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11, they quote this, The righteous shall live by faith. And the righteous are those who are approved in the eyes of God. The righteous will live by faith. What does that mean? The righteous will live by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, The faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I think, I think the simple definition of faith is this. Simple confidence. Simple confidence. The righteous will live by simple confidence in God. Like a little child. My oldest grandson is now, he's turning 16 this year. God love him. I remember when he was this big. And somebody told him they were going to give him a lightsaber. And he came up to me, and he said, Gwendaddy, my friend at school told me he's going to give me a, a lightsaber. Gwendaddy, he's going to give me a lightsaber, and it's a wheel lightsaber too, Gwendaddy. It's not a, not a pretend lightsaber. It's a wheel lightsaber, Gwendaddy. And I felt so sorry for that little kid. I thought, man, get used to disappointment. <laughs> but his faith. It's a will lightsaber, granddaddy. He just believes. Somebody told me, I don't know who it was, said their little grandson or their little child, man, when they pray, they just believe. And the Bible says that if we come to the kingdom, we come to God as a little child, not childish, but childlike. A guy named Manly Beasy said, God one time said to him, son, You've done everything I've asked you to do, but trust me. 
Faith is just simple confidence. Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you. Oh, we trust in him. The righteous will live by faith. Well, let me just give a few examples. Uh, maybe some things about how to live, how to practice in this kingdom of God, how to live it out. I've talked about, you know, the miracles and the casting out of the demons and the raising the dead and all these. And those are a part of the already. We don't see it all the time. And not everybody I prayed for is healed. And some are and some aren't. And, you know, I've heard people say, thank God that airplane crashed and God was so good to me that he did not let my child on it. And yet the person over here is saying, well, my child was on it. Was God not good to me? Well, yeah, he is. God is good to both of them. We just don't understand sometimes what God is doing or why God allows things. And we still live in this world of the not yet. It's confusing sometimes, but we continue just to trust him. But I've already spoken about the miraculous aspects. And tonight I'd just like to end up by speaking on a few of what's called the ethics of the kingdom, like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. It's when Jesus calls the disciples to absolute, listen to this, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is heavy stuff. Jesus calls his disciples to radical devotion, radical dependence, and radical obedience. Absolute radical obedience that he is the Lord. And we obey even if it doesn't make sense. I remember years ago, I was going to go to India, and that's not a big deal to go to India, except there was, a, there was a, a, a plague going on in India. State Department of the United States said, don't go to India. There's a plague. People are dying left and right. But I was asked to go to India, and I told him I would come. My daughter was, she came downstairs one, one morning. I was down in the kitchen, and she walked downstairs, and I could tell she would, I tell which one of my daughters it was. By the way, she's coming down the step, and she said, uh, Daddy, I don't want you to go to India. I said, Jessica, why don't you want me to go to India? She said, Daddy, I'm scared you're going to die. There's a plague going on, and I said, please don't put me on Air India because they'd just done a thing in Newsweek magazine that said the most dangerous airline in the world was Air India, and lo and behold, they put me on Air India. And my daughter said, Daddy, don't go to India. I'm afraid you'll die. And I said, Jessica, Jesus is watching after me. And she said, and she was about 15 at the time. She said, Daddy, Jesus watches after a lot of people, and they still die, and they're still hurt. Daddy, I don't want you to go. And I said, Jessica, let me ask you a question. You know what? You're right. I might die. But let me ask you something. What, what kind of daddy do you want? Do you want a daddy who will obey God when he believes God tells him to do something and die? Or do you want a daddy who will not obey God because he's afraid 
and won't do it. What kind of daddy do you want, Jessica? And she said, I know. I know you have to go, but I'm still scared. And I said, it's okay to be scared as long as we obey. It's obedience. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, ethics of the kingdom, the world says get all you can. The Bible says give all you can. The, bi- the world says accumulate your riches on earth. The Bible says store up your riches in heaven. Again, saving's not wrong. Retirement's not wrong. But our money belongs to God. Stuart and I were talking at lunch today, and I hope I'm not going from preaching to meddling here. But we were just talking about what, what does it mean to D&D, the KOG. What does it mean to live under this wrap, the rule, authority, power? You know, you're talking about, you're talking about a new building. Last Sunday when I was here, uh, Jonathan was talking about tearing out this wall and putting this wall, and I was ready to run. He was when he got to this side, I thought he was going to have me start ripping things out. But here, here's the thing, and 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 I thought that was so. I thought that was really good of John of what he was saying. And what he was saying was, you know, step out in faith. Step out in faith. But the question is not, can we afford it? Or, well, is it going to work? Or, well, what is it going to do? Here's the question. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Because you know what? If this building's yours, you might as well lock the doors, hammer them shut, and go somewhere else. But you know it's not. You know this in your building. You know this in your church. This is, this is Jesus' church. If he wants you to break the whole back end down and, and run it out to the street, that's fine. If he wants you to go that fine, that way, that way, that it doesn't matter. If he wants you to make it whatever, it's Jesus. What do you want us to do? Lord, you are the divine ruler of this church. It's yours. Whatever you want to do, you are Lord. And it and when you find out what God wants you to do through the word, through prayer, through your leadership, getting together, listening to God, reading the word and listen, and when God tells you to do it and then you do it, he will, he will bless. Praying in Jesus' name is getting a word from God, is hearing what God wants to say to you, and taking that to him and saying, Lord, this is what we believe you want to do. We're asking you for this, and then we're believing you for it. That's demonstrating and declaring the kingdom of God. The world says, worry about your life. The Bible says don't worry about your life. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, his, and of God and his righteousness, and he'll provide all these things. Don't worry. I, I don't know what the Aussie stock market does. or what you, In the United States, the stock market is like a roller coaster. Every time Donald Trump burps, something happens. You know, it just. And you look, it's like, oh, Lord. This is yours. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. 
My friend Dan, who recently died, he said, Chip, we're both going to die with money in the bank. Well, so far, he's 50% right, because he did, and I believe I will as well. But seek first his kingdom, he's going to take care of you. You know, you know one of the most incredible verses in the Bible, and I can't quote which one it is, but it's in, uh, in, in the book of Jonah. And, you know, God told Jonah to go preach to Nineveh, and he didn't want to preach to Nineveh because the Ninevites were like ISIS, and he hated them, and he was afraid that if he preached to them, they would repent, so he didn't want to, so he went the other direction, and he went from the boat to the belly, from the burp to the beach, and then, then he went on to preach, preach, preach. But, but, well, and a buddy of mine wrote a song like that. But, but then he went to Nineveh and he preached. And guess what happened? They repented. And he got mad. See, Lord, I told you. I told you they'd repent. Although, I'm, I'm just going to go out and die. So, I'll show you. <laughs> so he went out and he laid out in the sun. Oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And, you know, the plant grew over him. And then he's still griping. But, but the verse that just really, this is just, a, can, listen, this is, this, is out, uh, this is amazing. When the plant grew up, the Bible says, and God sent a worm. Almighty God, who's holding all everything, you know, he's, Hebrews 1.3 says he sustains all things by his powerful word. And God sent a worm. Can't, and I'm worried about me. I mean, that is the intensity of what God is involved in our lives. God's. A worm. And God sent the worm. That's outrageous. And that's, that's my God. And the God who sends worms knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows when the wind falls. He knows when the birds fall. He knows all those things. So if we D&D the KOG, if we just relax and say, ah, oh, take a deep breath. Ah. Oh. You really are in charge, aren't you? You really do have it under control, don't you, Lord? I don't understand it all the time. But glory be to God. I can relax. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hebrews chapter 3, the end of it, the beginning of chapter 4, it says the Israelites could not enter into the rest of God because of their disbelief and because of their disobedience. And he wanted them to enter into the rest, the rest of the promise, the rest of faith, the rest of Christ. Just to believe. Well, the world says the first will be first. And the Bible says the first will be last and the last will be first. The world says if somebody hits you in the nose, hit them back. Somebody hits you in the gut. Hit them twice in the gut, then hit them in the kidney. 
And yet the Bible says, Jesus says, forgive those who hurt you. Blessed are the merciful. Lord, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. That's some heavy praying right there. You know, we, maybe I'm, go to, go to the plumb line, but maybe I'm a little off here. But the Bible says what the Bible says. And I've seen people kind of theologically do gymnastics around this thing and tiptoe around it. But, but it says right there, forgive us as we forgive those. Because if you do not forgive those who sin against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Well, that doesn't mean, you know, eternally. That just, no, that's what it says. Well, yeah, but I don't like that. doesn't matter what we like. That's what it says. Forgiving those who have hurt you is D&D the KOG. And you know something? The hardest thing I have ever had to do in my life is forgive. I'd rather drink bleach. Amen. It's just, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> oh, forgiveness. Oh, but that's demonstrating and declaring the kingdom of God. I think it'd probably be easier to raise the dead than to forgive. But just as much as healing the sick or casting out the demons or raising the dead is D&D the KOG, so is forgiving is D&D the KOG. Jesus lying out there and those guys banging these spikes into his hand. And he is saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm saying, of course they knew what they're doing. They're crucifying you. And Jesus says, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And I'll bet you every angel in heaven had their heavenly sword drawn and were just waiting for Jesus to say, enough. All of you go to hell. Jesus, you come back to heaven, get what you deserve down here. It's over. We're done. Just waiting. Let us go. Let us go. Let us go. Let us rescue him. And Jesus is demonstrating and he's declaring the kingdom of God. He declared the kingdom of God when he raised the dead, and he declared the kingdom of God when they let him they he let them raise him on a cross. We demonstrate the kingdom of God by casting out a demon, and we demonstrate the kingdom of God by forgiving those who hurt us. And I tell you what, if anybody tells you forgiving is easy, you don't know what forgiveness is. And if somebody just says to you, if, you, if somebody says forgive and forget, and you say, okay, you don't know what hurt is. And it recalled. And I tell you, the only way I learned to forgive is when God told me one time, I mean, the deepest hurt I've ever had in my entire life. And for, listen. You, you probably all want to get up and walk out of here when I say this. I understand it. I wouldn't want to listen to me either. But for probably 20 years, I tried to love Jesus, but deep inside, I hated someone's guts. Jesus, I don't want to hate your guts. I hated your guts. And then I would, oh, 
I was so angry. I was so hurt. And I would beat on the steering wheel and say, God, why did you let this happen? God, why did you let this happen? I remember one time I was screaming until I couldn't scream anymore. And then I started crying until I couldn't cry anymore. And then I started puking until I couldn't puke anymore. And then I started dry heaving until I couldn't dry heave anymore. And I was just a just on the floor, on the ground, by a lake in my hometown, in, in Peachtree City, where I live now. If a cop would have come, he'd arrested me and took me off as some sort of a psychopath or something. But I was just so broken, and I couldn't forgive. And then one day, for 20 years, for 20 years, I asked God, why did you let this happen to me? And then one day, driving down the road, going to a conference, doing about 65 miles an hour, banging the steering wheel, and said, God, why did you let this happen to me? He answered. And he said, now I'm not saying this is for you, but this is what he said to me. God, why did you let this happen to me? And he said, it's a gift. This is a gift I've given you so that you can get. This is a gift I've given you so you can receive another gift that will bear eternal fruit. Will you accept the gift? I may have told this the other night. And if I did, you know, I, I said to the Lord, well, God, this is some of the ugliest wrapping paper I've ever seen in my life. That was not logical. But it's theological. It's the way of the kingdom. And I said, yes. And I've had to keep saying yes, and I've had to thank the Lord for the gift. God, I don't understand the gift, but I believe your word. And you know something? Here, here's the sweet thing. The pain's still there. You know what set me free? Was thanking him for the gift. And at first I kind of had to. Thank you. Thank you. Just, but now when I'm slapped by this dump truck and it just on me, and in the past I'd go, oh, God, I don't want to think about that. And now when it dumps on me, I go, oh, okay, Lord, I believe you. Thank you for the gift. <laughs> And you know what? I don't hate anybody anymore. I've forgiven. Long time coming, but that's the way of the kingdom. Well, I got to keep going. Oh, boy. You get the point. I've made the point. You know, the Bible says if you're, I mean, the world says if you're sick, you're sick. And the Bible says pray for those who are sick. I don't know if God's going to heal them. I had two people Sunday after I preached. They came. Today's Sunday? Today's Monday. Sunday night, two people came up to me and they said, you know, I don't understand this, but I believe God wants you to, me to pray for your ears. I have tinnitus, tinnitus, ringing ears. And I, I, I believe God wants me to pray for yours. Brother, pray. They pray. They pray. We just obey. I was in a uh, a coffee shop one time down in Florida, and I just mind my own business, drinking my coffee, eat my little 
muffin, and I was looking around, and there behind the counter was a woman with uh, obviously asthma because she, and I, I sensed the Lord say, go pray for her. So I just walked up to her, and I said, ma'am, I'm not going to do anything awkward here, but I believe that God wants me to pray for you. And can I just look at you? And nobody's going to know I'm praying. I'm just going to look at you, and it looks like we're talking, but I'm just going to ask God if he'll touch you because I think he just told me he wanted to. Is that okay with you? So I just said, Father, I'm here just because I think you told me to come. Would you touch this dear woman and uh, show her you love her? Thank you, Jesus. And I went and sat back down. No big deal. We just obey. We just obey. Well, D&D, the KOG. You know what? Whether Jesus was raising the dead or taking a nap, he was declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Whether Jesus was turning water into wine or turning the other cheek, he was declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Whether we're the heroes of the faith like we see in the first 35 verses of Hebrews who they closed the mouth of the lions and they saw their dead raised and all those things, that's the first 35 verses of Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. But the last five verses of the faith chapter said others were mocked, flogged, chained, put in prison, sawn in two, killed by the sword. They wandered about in animal skins and lived in caves, but never received what they prayed for on earth, says they never received the promise. Which one of those groups were declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God? Both. When we, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but if you wake up in the morning and you feel like every demon in hell is sitting on your chest and there's no way you can drag yourself out of bed, but by faith, you say, Jesus, I believe you. I will allow your rule your authority, and your power to work through me. And when you stand up out of that bed by faith, you are declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God, and if nobody's watching you but the angels of heaven and all the demons of hell, you are declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Wherever Jesus went, whatever Jesus did, he was declaring and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Whether he was raising the dead or taking his disciples to the side and said, let's go rest, kingdom of God. Well, Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, already not yet. Change the way you think and live change your way of thinking there's a new rule in town there's a new authority in town 
There's a new power in town. We are no longer subject to the rule and the authority and the power of Satan. We are now able to walk in the rule and the authority and the power of God. We can declare it. We can demonstrate it. And we can go forth moment by moment by moment by moment as we enable are enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we declare and we demonstrate the kingdom of God, whether we're rubbing a kitten on the head or whether we're casting out a demon. It's walking in the fullness and in the obedience and in the abiding of Christ. So the words I leave you with as I get ready to leave and go home. Simply to repeat what Mark said. The time is fulfilled. The rule, the authority, and the power of God is at hand. The fullness is coming, but it's at hand. May God enable us to change the way we think and to believe the good news, the rap of God, R-A-P of God is at hand. Let's pray. Father, Oh, Lord, enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. Enable us, Lord Jesus, to declare and demonstrate the rule, the authority, and the power of God by the way we forgive, by the way we love, by the way we believe, by the way we use our money, by the way we walk in faith, by the way we pray for people, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, oh, Lord, enable us to declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God for your glory. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com dot net.